What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast. We've been rolling in some combine previews for you over the past couple of weeks. We're going to be there. We're going to have boots on the ground this week covering the event, interviewing players, recapping the risers and sliders through those few days. But for now, we're not quite there yet. So we do have one more thing to review before we get to the NFL Combine, and that is my good friend AJ Schulte's full seven-round mock, the last pre-Combine mock. So it's kind of positioned at a very interesting precipice in the 2024 NFL draft cycle in the offseason. So we're going to get into that. We're going to go through all the picks, some of the more intriguing ones, some of the combine risers, the quarterback situation. But first, before we get into that mock draft, AJ, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well, dude. It's been a productive week. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's been a productive week. Yeah, it's been a little overwhelming, right? It's kind of we're, we're at that phase <laughs> yeah. in the cycle. I know you're doing a lot of uh, the pick rewrites and stuff to help help our readers stay up to date on those things. And then, you know, more reports on my end and too. And so it's a lot of information this time of year. It can be overwhelming at times, but it's fun. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, every every little bit of information is another piece of the puzzle. And I think mock drafts play a very important function in that as well. You know, kind of applying those different pieces and kind of consolidating it into a new projection, right? So it's always a fun exercise to go through. I want to ask you before we get into the, the nitty gritty with the mock draft, was this one more a projective one, more of what you would do, or was it kind of blending both elements of that together? Because I know people always have different, you know, lenses that they look at mock drafts through. Some people are like, oh, this pick isn't going to happen. It's never going to happen. But, you know, it's a mock draft. You know, the point is to project and, you know, to experiment with different outcomes. So, I want, But I know every draft analyst who writes mocks too, has a different slider, you know, what they apply, whether it's fully projective or less projective and more kind of what I would do from my evaluation. So, so how do you look at a seven round mock when you approach it? It's, it's a little bit of both mm-hmm. uh, on my end. A lot of it is, especially now at this stage, a lot of it is just like information um, that we're, we're kind of getting. It, it is a little bit of projection, especially on this one where I talked about like different trades and, and different like hypothetical scenarios that are kind of the, the smoke uh so to speak right now but it, it it is a little bit of like a what i would do but most of the time i try to stay like this is what the team typically looks for in a corner or a pass rusher so i try to use that information a lot um but for this one i definitely it was a combination of both i don't think like for a couple of these guys who kind of fell they don't necessarily match the consensus and i so i i I disagreed a little bit on some of those players so there is a little bit of that but for the most part it's pretty much just sticking with kind of like information and different team thresholds and things like that yeah and i love that you brought that up because for me personally you know when every mock is different you know you'd like to experiment with different things you never want to do the same thing over and over again because then what's the point right but i think you know doing a what you would do standpoint within the thresholds that you know right i feel like that's the best description for for what usually goes on and i do want to shout out one more time again just make sure you know guys check out aj's mock if you haven't yet full seven rounder i know firsthand how much of an undertaking a full seven rounder is it takes days it takes a lot of effort some extra time too so it is not an easy one and he had player trades in this one too so another uh loophole getting integrated in there so a lot a lot of detail a lot of hard work make sure you check his mock out but let's get into it. Let's get into the, the meat and bones here. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, and I think we got to start with round one, obviously, right? You know, that's where all the implications are. Uh, but this was a fun mock, I thought. And we'll start with the quarterbacks in round one. You had 
it, pretty standard at the top, right? Caleb Williams, number one, Drake May, number two, Jaden Daniels, number three. But then you kind of had an interesting pick, J.J. McCarthy going to the Giants at number six. And then there wasn't a quarterback, another quarterback taken in round one or round two, but then you had four going in round three. Uh, Bo Nix to the Jets, I believe. Uh, Spencer Rattler mm-hmm. to the... Oh, shoot, what was Raiders. it? Raiders. The Raiders. All right, I, I knew I forgot one, but then you had Penix to the Steelers, and you had uh, Michael Pratt to the Denver Broncos, which was a nice one too. So talk to me about the quarterbacks, uh, and mainly, you know, because we've we've talked at length about Williams and May and Daniels and their potential fits, but J.J. McCarthy to the Giants was the interesting one for me because the Giants yeah. have a looming need, but they're not ready to 100% admit it, right? So it's like, do they take that chance if they can get him without trading, without maneuvering around? Uh, what went into that pick? Yeah, so the kind of the buzz recently is is that the Giants aren't super sold on Daniel Jones as their long term option. Um, it came out, I believe, yesterday. Uh, ESPN had reported that they would be open to taking a quarterback in this year's draft if if the right one fell. You know mm-hmm. what what that necessarily means at this point is anyone's guess. But I think JJ McCarthy fits what both head coach Brian Dable and offensive coordinator Mike Kafka like at quarterback he's got the the kind of mobility and the tools that both of them have had similar success with in the past and I think if you have you know Daniel Jones only has one more year of guaranteed money left so after this upcoming season they can move on without a huge massive cap hit uh dead cap hit excuse me I think if if you have JJ McCarthy with his tools and you kind of can just sit him for a year and let him develop with those two guys who I, I think are phenomenal offensive minds. Uh, I, I think that that works. It kind of, it also adds a little bit of job security to you. Cause you now are sitting here saying, Hey, this is our guy. We finally got to pick our guy at quarterback and this is who we want. We want to build around him. And so I think that aspect of it and, and JJ McCarthy, they're going to be kind of, it's going to be interesting to see if somebody tries to move up to five because there is already this amount of smoke about the Giants being interested in a quarterback. If somebody tries to leapfrog them yeah. specifically for a quarterback, but I just I just think in terms of team fit, I think McCarthy fits what they like. I think he's a, I think his best bet I think is just kind of developing for a year, and I think that would be a really good situation for him. That and I was also just kind of tired of the same picks mm-hmm. over and over you know it's like oh mccarthy somebody trades up for mccarthy and it's usually like the vikings or the raiders or blah. and I'm like, you know what no the giants are sitting here saying hey we're not totally sold on daniel jones being our guy why not why not this is it's it's different and unique and i and i always strive to do something that stands out mm-hmm. in a mock draft because it's it's a mock draft like, yeah yeah no especially at this stage of the game exactly like, it's all about just presenting different scenarios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing. I, I love how we obviously put in a ton of work for these, right? Like we're analyzing every single detail and scenario and potential outcome and like why maybe they would feel this way, why. But I love how sometimes it just comes down to, you know what? I'm going to do something different. I'm going to go against the great. I love how that's like the final piece. But no, and it's it's one of those things. It's that thought tangent that makes you think about it, right? Like the Giants aren't 100% sold. And I was going to bring up that exact thing too. Like a lot of mock drafts have the Chargers as a, as a trade down destination for a team in need of a QB. And that is one spot above the Giants. So 
for the Giants, if there if no team takes that opportunity, right, and you have the chance to get him at number six, if they if they like him that much, like I can see a scenario where they use pick number five, six, right, so that the Chargers only move down one spot, right? They're still keeping that real estate, and you can get McCarthy too. But you know, it's one of those things where so many teams are trading up to that fifth spot in mock drafts. The Chargers are a very popular destination, so you don't always see McCarthy fall to this point, right? So it's like if he does fall. Mm-hmm. Is he going to generate appeal? It's a fun discussion to have. Uh, and, you know, he does. To me, he has the talent. Do you, How do you feel about his valuation real quick at that spot? Because I know everyone everyone's split across the board. To me, yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting. Yeah. His his overall stock. I've, I've talked to people who are like, I wouldn't take him until the second round. Uh, I've talked to people who have said, like, he's the top five pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no questions about it. Um, I think he'll be a great NFL quarterback. I think you know, like if Harbaugh had stayed and he had stayed another year, I think we would be talking about McCarthy as, as like a no brainer because his biggest thing was I just wanted to see he, like a little bit more seasoning. Mm-hmm. But if he's if he can just sit and develop for a year in an NFL offense and kind of add a little bit better weight because uh, he's because he's thin, yeah. like it, it he's small. Mm-hmm. And that that's that's going to be an issue, I think. I think it'll also be an issue for Jaden Daniels. Um, but I, I think if you can kind of let him sit for a little, uh, for a little while, kind of just develop and, and get everything sorted out, he's got all the talent in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he's quarterbacks like him don't typically fall very often. And he has the intangibles. The NFL just has consistently raved about JJ McCarthy. I, I think the talking point of like, he wasn't asked to throw often. I think he's kind of, a little overblown mm-hmm. like he he threw it enough times it, it's not like he threw 10 passes a game right um so i i i think he's a pretty good prospect i think he's better than like will levis and a couple of those other guys in like we've seen as like the qb4 mm-hmm. in recent drafts um i i think he it, it's always about like projecting yeah. with quarterbacks because it's always what are they going to look like in three years and if you're JJ McCarthy, you take it. You're the Giants, and you take him sixth overall. Mm-hmm. You're betting on saying he's a top, at least top fifteen, top ten starter in the NFL in a few years, and he's got the tools to be that. Yeah, and I think the three years thing is interesting because JJ McCarthy in three years, like, is Will Levis last year, or is Michael Penix Jr. or Bo Nix this year, right? Like, those guys are 24. Levis turned 24, right? His rookie year, I think. Penix and Nix are already pretty much there, so it's like. You have that three-year period of developmental, you know, potential, right? That you don't have with other guys. And so, for me, mm-hmm. my stance with McCarthy has always been: I mean, yeah, he's got the talent. What happens beyond that is up the up to NFL teams. And I think for him, more so than most guys, or you know, all guys, winning them over off the field as that character presence, you know, as that guy with the mental acuity and the mental and the mindset to sustain growth year over year, I think is the biggest thing behind closed doors. Does he have it? Right. And if you if you make that discernment, it doesn't really matter that he hasn't proven everything at the collegiate level because he's 21 years old. He's athletic. He's got an arm right after that. It's just is he worth the investment? So that's always been it's really interesting because there's so many different nuances to QB evaluation. But sometimes it can be that simple for projecting guys and where they're going to go. So it's a fun discussion to have for the QBs. Let's move on to some other guys in round one. Some interesting picks that I circled. First off, for me, well, first off, I want to hear from you. What what were your favorite picks in round one? Because I, I know I every time I do a seven rounder, 
I have picks that I like circle like, oh, man, this fit would be insane. You know, this would be maniacal. Right. You know, what are what are some fits that you made? And you were just like, oh, I'd love to see this happen. I think my first one was uh, Roma Dunze to the Broncos. That's what I was going to talk I about, did. actually, because the, the Bears had a chance to take him. And nine, and they took a, a tackle, right? I believe, and they took Fashano. Yeah. yeah. What talk to me about that a little bit, right? Because we've seen yeah. offensive tackle mock to the Bears. Me personally, I'm not 100 sold that they need it because they drafted Darnell Wright. I know Braxton Jones has been a little up and down, but he's a young guy who's got talent. How do you stack that? You know, having a Dunze on the board, yeah. upgrading tackle. How do you stack that? It, it was it was definitely a, a tough call mm-hmm. there at night. I just I think if you're going to invest in Caleb Williams at, at, at first overall in this specific scenario, um, you need to have an offensive line that is going to step up mm-hmm. and protect for a while because you know, Caleb Williams, I think as he adjusts to the NFL, is going to take some unnecessary sacks. Mm-hmm. I think you know, there, are, there are definitely like things that he'll, he'll have to iron out in terms of like pocket management and things like that. But you have to have your pass protection significantly better than it was this year um braxton jones has talent i i don't know if he like what he is like what you hope he can be is what fashana was like two years ago Mm -hmm. um and i just i think when you look at like you have a chance to get a guy who projects as a pretty elite pass protector virtually right away and and you look at ryan poles's background has been significantly involved with offensive line he's very well accredited with the offensive line masterminds program and Fashano's working with them mm-hmm. this offseason I, I I think that that pick you know it's like Braxton Jones is good I would, I just don't think he is like as good as Fashano and with how talented this wide receiver class is you're not going to find like you can find production at wide receiver you won't find an elite pass protecting tackle until you like especially because they don't pick again till the third round. yeah and i, I agree i, I agree like, with that there's 20 upwards of 20 maybe even more than that wide receivers who could probably make an impact on day one and there's you know there's it's a really strong tackle class at the top but then there is a little bit of a drop off in the 8 to 10 to 12 range you know you still have guys with mm-hmm. talent but not as much certainty so i definitely get that talk to me about roma dunze and the fit with denver though because that one was a fun one when i saw it i was because he yeah, usually doesn't make it that far no, and I, again, it's all about just different scenarios. And, and with McCarthy going that high, a couple of other tackles going high, he just kind of fell. Mm-hmm. And that's not a that's not a slight against his talent. Like people, I at the the angrier comments are always like, he would never fall that far. And it's like, listen, he's a great player. It's just different scenarios happen. Players fall all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the case of Adunze, like I, I don't know how much of the three of Corlin Sutton. Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy will be on the Broncos roster come 2025. I don't know if any of the three will be will be there. Jerry Judy is constantly in trade rumors. Cortland Sutton could be Tim Patrick just hasn't stayed healthy enough after his new contract extension. Uh Marvin Mims, he was a second team all pro returner, flashed a lot of playmaking ability, but they it wasn't it was never a seemingly consistent outing from really any of the Broncos wide receivers and I think with that uncertainty combined with just like the team fit like he was the best player available Mm -hmm. on the spot and the Broncos need as much talent as they can get if you can come out of this draft like if you take Odunze in the first round that window before day two where we where some trades kind of happen if you can go okay well now we can offload 
Jerry Judy for a couple more picks in this, you know, in the upcoming rounds or Cortland Sutton or whoever, because now you have a Dunze. Now you have him and you could turn around and say, okay, now we can commit to this trade for as many, because I think the Broncos are heading for a rebuild mm-hmm. this year and just trying to get as much young talent and picks kind of what the Rams did last year where they were just kind of like cleaning out a lot of bad contracts and trying to get as much young talent mm-hmm. as they can. And they hit on a few guys last year, but I really think that this year, this, this is the year where you just add as much talent as you possibly can to your roster. And Adunze was a combination of that and team fit in need. Yeah. And I, I love that. And it's, it's stark with the Broncos because they have that big gap. They don't have a second round pick. Right. So I, I think with the Broncos and I, I think the Rams are a good parallel to make, because if you can trade back and maybe get a guy like Brian Thomas jr. As well. And then you trade back and get more capital on day three. One big thing that accelerated the Rams rebuild was hitting on day three picks, right. And getting that exceptional value in that range. So speaking of Thomas, I want to talk about that. He went to the Houston Texans in this one. That was another one of my favorite fits. Uh, just kind of really intrigued by it. Right. Because I, I, did my I updated my report of him last week. The dude is so explosive. I mean, he's so fluid for his size, and he's still pretty new to the wide receiver position too, which is pretty exciting. The way he attacks the ball, in my opinion, is one of the best in the class. Um, you know, extending beyond his frame, and I just. But how does he? I'm curious about the fit in that offense and what your vision was for that because I'm very intrigued by it. I think Nico Collins is that X guy. I think Tank Dell slot movement Z. You can move him around. He's very explosive. He's dynamic. Brian Thomas Jr. is very interesting because mainly vertical usage at LSU, a lot of slot fades, a lot of nine routes, but crossers on drags too. I think there's some rack utility there. I think there are different ways that you can use them and expand beyond what we've seen. Bobby Slovic, Shanahan tree. How does Brian Thomas Jr. Fit that vision and how can he kind of complete this wide receiver trio? Yeah. It it was kind of like the Adunze pick where it was just like a, a best player available Mm -hmm. scenario. But I also I, I think if you have the opportunity to turn your that wide receiver room into like a, a real young strength of your team for years to come with CJ Stroud, like sign me up. I, th- mm-hmm. I think Thomas, it is a little bit of projection, like you said, with his mainly vertical usage. But again, I think it's what he can do versus what he was asked to do yeah. uh, in that scenario. And I definitely think he can run a, run a bit a little bit more of a route tree than he did at LSU. Um, I think you have intangibility with him and or interchangeability, excuse me, with him and Nico Collins at X. You can kind of keep him outside, move Tank Dell around. Like these pieces can all fit in different scenarios. Um, it, it is a little bit of of projection with with in terms of like what he you know, like can he actually do it? But I just think when you look at the talent and his ability as a, as an actual like wide receiver prospect. Uh, him and CJ Stroud, I, I think would be a perfect pairing oh, just yeah. in terms of he, uh, he unlocks a new yeah. element of that offense. And in case Nico Collins goes down like that, you know, you need another big red zone threat wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you look at, you know, Noah Brown is a free agent. Robert Woods is, is getting up there in age and only has one year left on his deal. So now you have an opportunity to take a guy and add him long-term to Nico Collins, who's probably going to get a contract extension in the offseason, and Tank Dell, who's still on his rookie contract. It just it really seemed like the perfect let's just make a really dynamic trio. And it was fun. Mm-hmm. Like I just I want to see Brian Thomas catching deep balls 
and these go in these ghost shots off of play action with CJ Stroud. Yeah, that was the like just the image in my head, man, with Stroud's ball placement and anticipation and with Thomas's ability to create that separation with his stacking speed. I mean, it's and then his ball tracking ability, it's a match made in heaven pretty much. And I was just like, I this is a trio I would really want to see. And I think this this might have been the first time that I've seen Brian Thomas Jr. mock to Houston, right? Like you see him mock to a lot of teams in the teens, right? The Bills, if he falls to 28 is a big one, but I've never seen him go to Houston, I think. And that was just like that that really caught my eye. So I love that. A few other first rounders that I really liked. Just let me pull up my my list here. Uh Nate Wiggins to Jacksonville was a fun one. I think Ryan Nielsen's scheme, I was really intrigued by that. And I think he's one guy we we pegged as an NFL combine riser, expected to run very fast. He's got the press man tools, but zone recognition ability as well, ball skills. Jackson Powers Johnson to Seattle. Man, I like that one a lot too. They got needs at center and guard, and the dude is just an absolute road grader. I mean, 6'3", 330, but he's very intelligent for his age too. So just a day one impact starter. Uh, Amarius Mims to Pittsburgh was another one that I wanted to circle because he uh, – it was reported that he's fully healthy now from his tightrope surgery and he's going to actually test at the NFL combine. So six foot seven, 330 pounds. Don't be surprised if this dude puts up incredible numbers for that size. He's a freak athlete. And I think for Pittsburgh in particular, having a guy who can play the left and the right side has experience with Roderick Jones as well. That'll be a fun one for me. Um, and then one more that I had was Darius Robinson to Detroit. I, I really liked that fit. I know that's been one that's been thrown, thrown around a little bit, um, but Again, 6'5", 280, right? Almost 36-inch arms. The dude is athletic, alignment versatile, powerful, right? So that was a fun one. Dallas Turner to Tampa Bay as well. If he falls that far, man, you got to pull the trigger, especially after they just caught Shaq Barrett, I think. So getting an explosive Mm -hmm. finesse rusher who has that shock in his hands and that versatility, and he's still just 21 years old. I mean, he's very young, and he's trending up. So that was another one that I liked. Any other first-rounders that you had on your favorites list before we move on to day two and day three? I, I got to talk about Johnny Newton to the Cowboys. Oh, yes. I I think I think that one was it, – it was tough with the Cowboys because it was like I with them bringing back Tyron Smith or, or, or like at least actively saying they want to bring him back yeah. and there's no reason why they shouldn't. Uh, and then Terrence Steele still having plenty of money on his contract. I was like, tackle – I don't necessarily want to go tackle here because I didn't like any of the options. Yeah, and I him. think Smith, I think there's been whispers that he wants to remain in Dallas too. So Yeah, yeah. and especially with both Barton and Jackson Powers Johnson off the board at that point, I, I feel like 24 is a little bit too early mm-hmm. for Frazier at that, at that stage. And so I was like, you know what? Newton is going to be the best player available if he's here. Well, you know, D- Dallas has good three tech play in Otukizua, and now you can add Newton to that rotation. Like they still need to get more disruptive up front, mm-hmm. and they still need to add to that defensive line, you know, especially if you're trying to complement, like be like what the the Forty ers are. Forty ers have had plenty of talented defensive linemen, uh, and you look at Mike Zimmer's history the defensive line has been a key integral part of him and his success and i think now if you can add him to odigizua and mozzie smith presumably gaining back the weight yeah. and moving over That's back the biggest to thing i think the one tech um i i just i thought i thought that was a good combination of adding a talented the best player available on a board to a, a kind of a sneaky need for dallas adding more depth in their interior 
Yeah, and I like the value proposition there too. Newton is still a top 20 guy on my board. I'm a big fan of, I know he's a little undersized, but just the football intelligence that he plays with and run defense and then as a pass rusher too, like that flexibility. That's one reason he's still my DT1. I think the ankle flexion, the hip flexibility, the torso flexibility that he has, those are finishing traits and he has those better than anyone in the class, I think. So I would love his fit alongside Smith if Smith can gain back that weight. That's the big thing because he played pretty mm-hmm. under underweight relative to what he played at Michigan. But, um, yeah, I, I, lo- I loved a lot of those first-rounders. Uh, listeners out there, if we didn't bring up your team's first-rounder, be sure to check out the mock and see who your team picked. I know uh, a lot of intriguing selections, but we are halfway through here, so let's get on to day two and day three. A few interesting developments in day two. Uh, for me, and I'll just go through some of the things that caught my eye and then we can get into some of the more specific things. But um, Chop Robinson to Washington was a really fun one. I, I liked that for sure. After he tests, I'm curious to see where he goes. But I think there is a, a little bit of a of a trade-off there, a double-edged sword, because I, I expect a big 40 time, big explosiveness. But the length is not going to be quite as much there as it is with his teammate, Adisa Isaac, for example. But getting him with Dan Quinn and the commanders, man. Oh, man, I love that fit. That was one of my favorites. Just my, oh, my God. You need a bona fide, you know, speed rusher, just a dynamic presence like Chop Robinson in the edge room. So I love that for sure. Ennis Rakestraw, Tennessee, was a fun one. I liked that fit a lot. I, I like his man coverage chops and speed, too. Um, you had two linebackers inside the top 50, which was in- intriguing to me because we've heard all the talk about this linebacker class. And, you know, I don't think there's a bona fide first round talent. And I don't think there's, you know, a guy who's locked into the round two either. But I do think if some of these guys test well enough and you had Edrin Cooper going to the Green Bay Packers with uh, Jeff Halfley in that defense, and then you had Junior Colson going to the Vikings with Brian Flores, which that was a, a fun one to think about for sure. Uh, Ricky Pearsall going in the top 75. I believe he went to the, the, Lions. the Lions, which Ben Johnson with Ricky Pearsall, man. I mean, hey, that versatility that he has weaponized that early on. Uh, you've got Jaden Hicks going to Seattle at number 78. That was an intriguing one for me because we don't always see him up that high. And then uh, Jarvis Brownlee going to Atlanta at 79. It was another one that caught my eye in day day two. But uh, So any any specific things on day two that you noted that was uh, intriguing to you as you were going through this projection? Yeah, I, I kind of just want to talk about the linebackers yeah. there at the top. I, it It is definitely going to be an interesting dynamic of – how do how like how does each team stack this talent but i i just think in terms of like scheme fit i thought cooper especially with them with the packers mm-hmm. moving to kind of more of a four down look uh it presumably moving on from devondre campbell uh i'm assuming that means quay walker is going to move to more of that like mike like middle linebacker role mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it uh and that leaves open the weak side spot and you look at they also need the depth because behind them it's really just like isaiah mcduffie yeah and he's probably um, a special teamer at best yeah 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 like he is a good player but, but he's a he's a role player yeah. he's not a, a true three down guy and and cooper i thought was one of the best will like weak side linebacker i have him kind of split into like guys i think can play middle linebacker and guys who i think play more like a weak side or strong side linebacker mm-hmm. and cooper i think is the best one to be a weak side linebacker uh just that the range the pursuit speed mm-hmm. that he's got the the athleticism that he has in terms of like matching guys uh out of the backfield and things like that reminds i i tweeted it out in response to somebody who asked me about him yesterday but i said he reminds me a lot of uh Owusu koromoa mm-hmm. up with the browns uh, just in terms of an overall athletic profile and how he plays and so i just i thought it was a 
a good fit for what they look for. And I think they're going to value linebacker position with Jeff Halfley and kind of the Packers run defense has, has kind of been an issue mm-hmm. over the last few years. And I, I think they're going to finally start to adjust to that. And with, with junior Colson, I just think the line, the Vikings need to add as much blue chip talent as they can get on that defense. And when you look at his ability to match up in, in zone coverage, you look at his ability as a blitzer, I think Brian Flores is going to love mm-hmm. a guy with junior Colson, that athletic profile at that size. Um, him pairing with Ivan Bass as well. I think that creates a lot of opportunities for unique pressure looks as well because Ivan Pace is a tremendous blitzer, one of the best blitzing linebackers, uh, especially last year, just as a rookie. It was it was really fun to watch. Um, I, I love I just love that pairing, even though it it is a little uh, higher than what I've seen in other mock drafts. I just thought the fit with those two teams, and I don't think that they would make it to their next picks so i was like it just makes sense to slot them here yeah and two guys who i think their athletic testing too will probably lock it in and you know i i want to say like there's always an asterisk when we talk about athletic testing and my guys rising because nfl teams at this point not only have gps data too right but then also i mean they just it's pretty easy to tell who's a freak athlete on the tape like edrin cooper that guy's an athlete right junior colson that guy's an athlete right the, the numbers more serve as confirmation and cross-checking right so it's not gonna cause too much elasticity on the NFL board side, right? The media side, we naturally just don't have as much of a perspective on that yet. So it's it's more it's more so peeling back the layers to their true valuation than it is actually tangible changes being made. So, but it's fun, right? I think those are two guys who the athleticism is definitely going to come into the forefront at the NFL Combine and uh, two guys who are definitely, like you said, I mean, athletic, dynamic, and Flores' scheme with the versatility with Colson. I love that. And I think Edron Cooper the coverage upside is very appealing. I think there are times on tape where I do want him to be a little more disciplined with his eyes. Sometimes he'll turn away from the QB and that can, you know, leave him liable for some coverage busts. But I do think there's a lot of talent there for sure. So big fan of those guys. We're talking about day two real quick. So let's circle real quick back to the quarterbacks. I won't, I won't have us talk at length about all of them, but uh, Bo Nix, you got Bo Nix to the Jets. You got a Rattler to the Raiders, Penix to the Steelers and Pratt to the Broncos. Which of those is your favorite prospect team fit on day two? I have I've circled the Pratt and Broncos connection for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I actually really like the fit of Bo Nix with the Jets. Um, I, I think a lot of the Knicks hype is more media than league driven at this, just given what I'm talking to, talking to other scouts mm-hmm. and, it doesn't really seem like the the hype matches what the NFL is. is and I think as an older prospect, guys just kind of naturally fall. Um, it, with his question mark, he just he just seems like a more of a third round value. Mm-hmm. But him with the with the Jets, you know, they the Jets owner Woody Johnson has come out and said we needed an actual backup quarterback last year. Like we needed something there, and I, Bonix just kept falling. In, in this scenario, like I just kept, I was like, I just don't really like the fit there. I don't like the fit there. But with the Jets, I, I think now you have that backup ability. We we have no idea how long Aaron Rodgers is going to play. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, at the at this stage, we just don't know. Uh, we don't we don't actually even know for certain what his health is currently yeah. uh, for for this upcoming year. And like you know, he's he's in his forties. Who's to say this won't happen? I mean, maybe not next season, but the year after, you know, when like it, 
So now I just I think with the Jets, they need that long term kind of backup stability of a talented rookie quarterback. And I also think he fits their scheme fairly well. And they mm-hmm. have the playmakers around him uh, for the most part. I think you have they have a strong running game with Brees Hall, which will help him a lot. You have Garrett Wilson just kind of throw it up near Garrett Wilson and he'll come down with it. And I think Bonex can operate the kind of West Coast offense that they're wanting to run. And so it, it just felt like a natural fit as well. But with Pratt to the Broncos with that one, there's a lot of connections already with Sean Payton, uh, different quarterback trainers and things like that, and different different coaches like connections mm-hmm. there. But I also think Pratt is the best fit with Sean Payton in that offense, just in terms of being able to throw with timing, throwing in rhythm, managing a pocket. Yes, he doesn't have the same arm talent that Spencer Rattler does, but Sean Payton really struggled with Russell Wilson this year, not throwing with timing and not operating the offense the way that he wanted it to be run. I don't think Michael Pratt will have that issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it it really just felt like a natural fit with the two of them. And Spencer Rattler is just doesn't have the same feel with timing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that was why I went with Pratt directly over Rattler. They were picked right next to each other. Um, with the Broncos and Raiders. So it it was really just about team fit with all of these quarterbacks. And I just, I really liked Pratt's fit with Peyton. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Broncos real quick, like what is your instinct that they do with QB, right? Assuming they don't solve that in free agency because they don't have a ton of cap, right? You know, it seems like something that they're going to have to attack in the draft if they do attack it. But at number 12 overall, right? I think it's number 12, right? their pick yeah it's number 12 and number 12 you're kind of out of range for the top guys you're gonna have to trade up if you want mccarthy and that's gonna cost a lot of capital which you don't have right if you don't pick a qb in round one you have a gap until round three and so some of those priority guys right in this mock draft we have nicks and Penix and rattler all falling to round three but I, i feel like it is just as likely that a team in round two could say hey round two these guys have starting upside let's pull the trigger right so that gap really increases the variance of whether or not they could even have a guy like that land into, into their lap in round three. So not having that chance, like what is your feel that the Broncos do to address that, right? Because their their hands are kind of tied behind their back a little bit. They're not fully in control of the outcome here. So what do they do? Yeah. Do they trade up for a guy in round one? Do you think McCarthy could win over Peyton with his tools? Or, you know, what what's the feeling here? Because I always, every time I do a mock draft, I find myself half and half sitting on the fence really just not quite sure how to address that for them. Yeah, I I think it was like kind of what I touched on earlier, where I think if you view this season with the Broncos as a rebuilding year, mm-hmm. um, it opens up the possibilities for them. Like, I think you know, the, the Russell Wilson situation is done. I, th- I think that is, he, he said, oh, I want to stay in Denver. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's like, it, they're not they're obviously not going to just roll with just Jared Stidham at quarterback like that's not going to you just can't run a quarterback room like that but I think if you picking at 12 it's just kind of a bad spot like you said you're out of range of the top guys and presumably you know now you don't have a lot of capital I think they only have maybe five or six picks Mm -hmm. in total so you just you already have very limited capital to begin with so I think now your your goal shouldn't be to kind of find that quarterback just yet. I think your goal should be to accumulate talent right now because you can kind of manage 
at quarterback. But again, like Sean Payton can get the most out of guys. Um, I, I think it, the Pratt pick makes a lot of sense because it's a guy who fits naturally with Payton. And if he doesn't work out, it's a third round pick. Mm-hmm. You can take a guy in round one if it falls later for you. But if it does work out, you have a cheap third round qu- contract at quarterback, right? Um, it, it is definitely tricky for them. They're they're in a tough spot to navigate. Uh, I just I kind of feel like Pratt and Sidham is the kind of quarterback room Sean Payton a lot. Yeah, and it's it's tricky again too because that third rounder, if you don't use it on a quarterback, you could use it to fill one of the many many needs that the Broncos have across the roster too. So they're kind of they're in a tricky spot, right? So it's not there's not one catch all solution for you. So then it's how you how yeah. do you balance that? And I do agree. I think Pratt is a guy. Maybe won't be a long-term starter, but a guy who can navigate muddy waters early on in the right situation. I think he's a quarterback, like you said, with the sense of timing, the accuracy, the poise, right? The starting experience, the four-year starter at Tulane. A guy who could help Sean Payton at least keep the ship afloat early on. And even if you don't have a long-term starter, I think you've got a really good long-term safety blanket, right? A guy who can feel comfortable mm-hmm. with with those spot starting opportunities. So I'd like that a lot. we got a little bit under 10 minutes to go. So any favorite day two picks on your end that you circled before we move on to some day three guys? Mm, that's tough. I I really like the fit of Austin Booker with the Ravens. Oh, yeah. I like that I one, I think too. that was that's, – that's one that I, I had circled when I – I had originally put him – to the lions but i was like wait well it doesn't i had flipped a lot of the picks early on um so i had originally had the lions taking a corner in round one and then edge in the second i kind of flipped that later on Mm -hmm. but i I think austin booker when you look at how the baltimore ravens have been so good at maximizing talent over the years booker is just right on the cusp of being a star I, i i think he has all the tools and traits you want if he could just develop, like just kind of add a little bit more weight to his frame. We're talking about a Pro Bowl caliber pass rusher. And Baltimore just always seems to find a guy that just falls right into their lap, right? Like it's just like, oh, of course he ends up with the Ravens. Like mm-hmm. he's too good, to, of course. <laughs> and I think Booker was the perfect combination of that and need. Like they need somebody else in that pass rush room, especially if you know Clowney and Kyle Van Noy walk. Yeah. We don't know if Ajabo could stay healthy. Owe has flashed, but he's not hasn't really been a true consistent three down guy just yet. I think Booker, if you add a little bit more weight to his frame, I think you're talking about a a, a talented and like huge upside starter. So I, I just feel like that was a great pick. Um, the last one that I do want to hit is Tavion Sanders with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen him go a lot in the second round. It just didn't fall that way in this one. Um, I love his ability as a seam threat. I think now you pair him with Jane Daniels oh, yeah. in this specific mock, and you have Lad McConkey as well in the in the second. That opens up a lot, and then you have a need. Hunter Henry and Mike Yusicki are both free agents, so I I think he fills that role well. Uh, he's not. I'd be curious to see what his testing is at, in the combine this week. But mm-hmm. Sanders, I think, is a seam threat uh, ability after the catch tight end. I think he could be highly productive in that scheme yeah alignment versatile too and you can mix and match with him and mcconkey a little bit so i think with Jaden daniels especially you know things that daniels excels at is that ball placement over the shoulder right you know on the deep third on the vertical plane right and things that sanders excels at 
working up the seam, making those body control catches, right? So uh, definitely a big plus, I think, in that department. So let's move on to round three. We or, uh, Day three, we've got about five minutes left. So try and hit on some guys. Some of my favorite day three picks. And these are always some of my favorites uh, to hit because, as you've said, as you go further and further down the board, different value propositions emerge guys fall as you mentioned like good players fall all the time right you know that's the that's one certainty of the draft process and so kind of locking into optimal value at these ranges can be very very appealing so some some of my favorite day three guys and then we'll talk about some of yours and we'll kind of wrap it up here but uh i had xavier thomas to new england actually so another patriots one i I love his fit i think gerard mayo would know how to weaponize him on day one and they love those guys who can rush from space and you know well leveraged but powerful you know tenacious violent hands as well bendy explosive a big fan of that one you got Max Melton to the Chargers. I thought that was an incredible value. He's the top 64 guy for me, and I think that slot boundary versatility is very appealing with him. Uh, Jermaine Burton, Tennessee, speed, route running, uh, toughness. I like that one a lot. Uh, you got Bo Bray to Chicago, another one. Love his fit with Jaquan Brisker at safety. Uh, you got Andrew Phillips to Minnesota, another slot boundary versatile guy who showed out at Senior Bowl. I still think he's pretty underrated. I haven't gotten around to writing his report yet, but he he seems chippy. You know, he seems athletic enough, fluid enough, and really physical getting inside the wide receiver's cage. Um, ben Sinnott to San Francisco, uh, the versatility there to play H-back, but then also be a quality tight end. I love that as well. Malik Mustafa to Indianapolis. That one was one that I was like, oh, shoot, let's go. I like that one a lot. He's one of my favorite players. Explosive, rangy, but physical as well. 5'9", 7'8", 210 pounds. Uh, just a tenacious competitor who's got some of that projected versatility. Uh, Malik Washington to Carolina. Just a sure-handed, tough guy with that three-level framework. And then Dylan Lobby to Green Bay. The Packers was my final favorite one that I wrote down. The receiving versatility, uh, but then also some running upside too. So some of my favorite day three ones. Who were some of your favorite day three picks here? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> and we're, we're, we're one, rolling at around three minutes. So let's limit ourselves to like five here. The, the first one, I think that I, I had, when I had it written down, I was like, this is just ridiculously fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bucky Irving with the Chiefs. Oh, yeah. I just... I, that fit of him, that 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 springy explosiveness that he plays with, I think you can add him as as kind of your McKinnon replacement and kind of use him as a receiver the way that I think they had envisioned Edwards and Lair. Uh, I I just I love that fit. I also uh, Cam Hart to the Broncos. We've touched on. I think he's a a tremendous boundary corner. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd kind of stepping in with the Colts, uh, kind of replacing Zach Moss. It just adding a little bit more explosiveness, which is what they've wanted to, they've emphasized throughout the off season. Mm-hmm. Jalen Wright, another one with the, with the Vikings. I think they need that kind of dynamic rusher. Uh, I don't, he'll be an interesting one to see at the combine, how much he can rise. Cause I think his testing is going to be great. Mm-hmm. I think he'll test phenomenal. Um, I'm kind of curious to see if he puts himself into day two yeah, or if he's kind of like a, we're going to take him at the top of day three. Um, I, the one that is kind of interesting to me that I don't see all that often, I don't see Eric all in a lot of mock drafts, mm-hmm. but I I think he's fun. As he's heck. a solid Just, player. I, I will, I will always find these tight ends that I think always outproduce their stock and I, all is going to do that. Um, one last one. I have to go Gabriel Murphy to the saints in the seventh. Oh shoot. I, I like that. Murphy, like he's going to be a tricky one to to gauge, like what his stock is going to look like, because he's a good player, mm-hmm. he's a good pass rusher, but he falls below 
the length thresholds. I think he has sub 31 arms Mm -hmm. and he's a little bit on the smaller side for a pass rusher. So I'll be curious to see how the NFL values that, but I just, you add him into that pass rush room with the saints and how well they've been able to maximize a lot of their pass rushers. You look at Carl Granderson is a recent developmental success success story with them. Uh, I just, I loved the fit there and I think he's, going to outproduce his draft stock yeah for this no matter what for the saints too like one thing that i feel like from a personnel standpoint they've been missing for a long time is having that speed guy right like they they like to do four down a lot right they like to have heavy personnel but i I think you know the best pass rush units have varying player molds guys who can play off of one another i think having that speed bendy guy with the hand usage right to win from wider alignments is something that they lack but something that i think could fit really well with the personnel so I love that a lot. We are about to wrap it up here, so we're almost out of time. Thank you all for listening. As always, it is AJ's seven-round mock on PFM. Make sure you check it out. A ton of great picks. At the Combine this week, we are going to have boots on the ground. Myself and Cam Meller will be recording there after each practice and testing session to give you the updates. And then next week, again on Tuesday, I'll be back with AJ to recap the event, give some of the risers, and kind of talk about the takeaways there. But for now, that's all we have. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to the PFM Scouting Podcast. See you next time.